Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hello and welcome once again to the Dave and Marlo podcast, Blazers Edge presentation. I'm Dave Deckard. Once again this week, Marlo Ferguson couldn't quite make it. We're having scheduling problems at the end of the season. That's okay. We are in a little bit of a dead time. These podcasts here will be a wee bit shorter as we wait for the Portland Trailblazers draft position, but we will pick up as we go along, and that's okay. If we have 35 or 45 minutes of things to talk about instead of an hour, we won't fill the extra 15 with nonsense. We'll just get straight to the heart of the matter. And the big matter this week, of course, is one that I swear to you, it's going to be ongoing all summer. We'll touch on it lightly because it would be irresponsible not to. But once again, noise is chiming around Damian Lillard. He did an interview with Stephen A. Smith. He did a couple other quotes have come out. And look, Lillard is saying the same things that have been said before, just with a little extra emphasis. And also, it's like being in a relationship with someone and you have an argument, not that Dame and the Trailblazers or Dame and their fan base have had an argument, but I'm making an analogy. You've been in a long-term relationship with someone and you have an argument over... I don't know, unloading the dishwasher and then you get that settled and it's going on and there's kind of a truce there. But then every time you hear the comment about dishes or anything about dishes, it kind of just puts fingernails on the chalkboard. That's where Blazer fans are right now. I think with Dame, what he's saying is not untrue. Basically, some version of... You know what? The Trailblazers are at a dividing point. There's a fork in the road this summer. They're either going to go younger or they're going to build around me. And those paths diverge and we can no longer pretend that one is the other. I think that this brings up old specters for Portland fans. Uh, Obviously, hearing your intended or the one you want to be wed to for the rest of your life, bring that up. Uh, Great. And it's just like that. It's like, okay, the rest of the relationship is fine, but can we not talk about dishes, even though dishes are a reality? Uh, I think also there is a little bit extra in Dame underlining the divergent fork. And I think that that is in response, of course, to what happened this season where you started the year with Josh Hart with Gary Payton II and I know everybody likes to down him but you guys need to remember how you felt when he was signed last summer and what he was there for he was not inconsequential he was the big late summer free agent move I mean Jeremy Grant 
trading for him in the spring was the biggest move of the late season or off season. But Gary Payton II got a lot of hype and everyone was super happy to have him. And he was meant to do something that something did not pan out, nor did the Blazers replace him as of yet with anyone comparable. Instead, they went really young. They also got really young in the Josh Hart trade, who was the other veteran who was supposed to help also they're depending on Shaden sharp an awful lot and he's 19 and dame referenced him in his his exit interview love Shaden, think Shaden's going to be great but did underline he was 19 guess what anthony simons is 23 and all of a sudden you look around and it's damian lillard and yusuf nurkic on an island with jeremy grant somewhere in between and then everybody else is just an nba baby by comparison and i think Lillard is underlining that and saying, hey, there's a difference between building a contender and rebuilding. And we see what the team is doing. And no matter what they're saying, we have to go with what they are doing. I think that is reasonable to call the Blazers to account for. It's nothing that anybody else hasn't said. We've been saying this since the trade deadline. So Dame is just echoing what's obvious. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think also there's part of the angst in there is, look, it's going to be hard to build a clear contender. Uh, today, as I'm recording this podcast, we put up a post of four potential people that the Blazer fans want their team to get, Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, Bam Adebayo, and OG Ananobi. We're going to talk about that choice a little bit later in the podcast here, but it's a little bit of an artificial choice just brought about as Blazer fans desperately grasp at anybody who fell out of the play-in tournament, whose team might be looking to rebuild, and it's like the pickle on somebody else's plate. You know, you going to eat that? Because if you're not, I want it. And you know what? These teams aren't going to divest themselves of these players for cheap. So Portland is going to have to think long and hard about any of them and pay a high price for any of them or anyone comparable, which means that Blazer fans understanding this kind of in their subconscious or behind the scenes are, are not liking Dame hearing or saying this big division between rebuilding and building around him because they know building around him is a much narrower, much more difficult road. And it would be nicer if Dame just said, I'm all on board no matter what the Trailblazers do, and I'm okay with that. Clearly he is not, or at least not without some misgivings. And clearly he is willing to make that decision accordingly. He has not said how he will make that decision, by the way. Doesn't mean he's going to leave. Just means that he's going to think. And therein lies the whole rub for everything. Again, we are grasping at straws at what one person is going to decide with neither the fan base nor the team itself having a whole lot of control over that decision. I mean, realistically, the Blazers could mortgage their future for Jimmy Butler, and Damian Lillard could play half a season with Jimmy, and the Blazers are still on track only to win 45 games, and at that point, Dame says, you know what, I'm out. He can say it at any time for any reason. He can say it uh, for... Uh, for a 50-win record, for a 40-win record, he could even say it for a 60-win record, should he so choose. He is not bound to anything other than his own career goals and the contract he has signed. And 
in today's NBA, the contract he has signed is not enough to keep him with a team. Superstars can demand trades and get their demands acquiesced to. So, long story short, we're worrying about something that only Dame can decide. The question for the Trailblazers is not necessarily which trade target to go after. It is whether it's worth pursuing a path where you are beholden to someone else's decision. And if they're confident in Dame and confident that they can win a title or at least spend the rest of his career contending, then their answer probably should be yes. If they're not confident that they can get close and they can completely satisfy Dame, then their answer should probably be no. But that's really the only control that they have. They do not have control over his decision. End of story. And again, this is going to get all the press this summer. It's going to be talked about again, I'm sure. We will talk about it again. But it is ultimately something that cannot be resolved. So all the Blazers can do is make the best decisions for themselves as a franchise. And I will say this again, and it's difficult to say because this is going to be twisted. It always is. I will preface it in a futile attempt to have it not twisted. Damian Lillard is clearly either the best or the second best player who has ever put on Portland's uniform. Okay. Especially if you consider Bill Walton is too short of a tenure to con consider in that argument. All right. Damian Lillard has defined this era. Damian Lillard is the most charismatic asset the Blazers have ever had. He is the best franchise leader the Blazers have ever had. He's the best scorer the Blazers have ever had. He's probably the best draft pick the Blazers have ever spent. Clyde Drexler would be among those. But look, he is incomparable. He is fantastic. All the accolades to Dame. Period. End of story. No argument. At the same time, the Trailblazers have to have a definition apart from Damian Lillard. They cannot merge their own identity with Dame so without boundaries that they no longer have one. That's what the rest of the NBA tries to do to you because it doesn't know or care about your franchise. All it care about cares about is your star player. So they are going, well, Portland Trailblazers, that's Damian Lillard. If Damian Lillard leaves, they're nothing. Well, you know what? They're not nothing. They can't be nothing. They can't absorb that attitude. They have to say, we are a franchise with Damian Lillard. We are a franchise without Damian Lillard. And we will remain viable either way that goes. And you know what? We may think we're better with Dame. We may want to keep him. But if he demands a trade and if we have to move him, we are going to get assets for him. We still have players on this team who matter. We will build around them to ward a title. We will use those assets of cap and draft picks and trade opportunities skillfully. And we will persevere. And we know it's going to be hard and we know it's going to be painful. But you know what? That's the way professional sports work. And I will tell you this, 
if you don't do this, you are doomed no matter what, because Damian Lillard is now going to be 33 years old at the start of the next season. He has years left. I am not saying that. He can probably play as long as he wants to. But at some point over the next three or four seasons at the latest, the Blazers are going to have to face the prospect of life without Dame. Or, at minimum, life without Dame in his prime, defining everything that happens on the court, the same way the Phoenix Suns have had to do with Chris Paul, right? You cannot lose your identity to any player. You must remain a franchise. This is something that I don't think I've seen out of the Trailblazers. I don't think... Frankly, I don't think Neil Olshay had it. I think Neil Olshay was in it for Neil Olshay, and Neil Olshay was in it to exalt and protect the players that he acquired that he could hang his hat on, and therefore he was all about himself over the franchise. The, our brand is me because I'm the great GM. Without me, you are nothing. Also, this franchise will be nothing without Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum because I picked them and I was so smart and et cetera, et cetera. That's just the way Neil portrayed himself publicly. At all times in that equation, the franchise takes third place at best and the franchise's dependence upon you is emphasized to, to the detriment of the franchise, because that's how you get the paycheck signed. That's how you get your decisions enforced. You become bigger than the franchise and you leave everybody else feeling that they are lesser without you. Now, I don't think Dame has the same mindset at all, but you know what? Portland Trailblazer fans haven't gotten over that. I think a fair portion of them are saying we are not the same franchise without Damian Lillard and not meaning that kind of logically. Yeah, of course you're not. You don't have a superstar. What it means is this kind of I we are nothing without Damian Lillard. We have nothing without Damian Lillard. OK, you have a few things. And even if you didn't have a few things, you have the chance to rebuild. And if you can't take the opportunities in front of you and turn them into something good, that's the exact same thing that's going to lose you, Damian Lillard, because you're not doing it. So this whole conversation seems to me a wee bit toxic on almost everybody's part. And all I hope for in the midst of it is that there is a minimum of bitterness that everybody owns the power that they have and everybody uses it responsibly to execute their own goals and also as best they can to take care of each other. That's all you can ask for in any relationship. Going any farther than that turns this unhealthy. And it feels like we're just in a terribly unhealthy spot with all of this. And it's kind of annoying. Now, let's move on from that. Oh, gosh. What else is going on this week? I mean, Nasir Little had another surgery that's not entirely hopeful. It is, you know, uh, he's young. And he's already undergone a couple of these. And he's not played a full season yet. 
I don't think it's time to give up on Nasir yet. But if Chauncey Billups remains coach and doesn't seem to be favoring Little, and if Little keeps having physical problems, we might be into another Zach Collins situation here. And of course, you remember that Blazers uh, drafted him uh, fairly high, ended up he was chronically injured, couldn't use him, traded him or let him go to San Antonio. And then he's kind of flourishing there. Nasir Little, I think, is an NBA player. I think he can have an impact. But if he's going to continue to be injured and the Blazers need to win now, he's too inexperienced, too young, and too injured to help them, he might be on the trading block. Uh, They might not be able to make use of him. That said, if he's not, I think he's still worth a chance. I think he's still worth at least a couple chances. So I'm not overreacting to that news. It's just not great news. But hopefully he gets that cleared up by training camp and is able to make a fresh start. I think Nas needs one more run. And especially if the Blazers are going to rebuild, I think there's opportunity out in front of him. Uh, The NBA play-in tournament, of course, happened or it's almost concluded as we speak. Several Trailblazers got ousted. I mean, C.J. McCollum is out in New Orleans. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., Will Barton out in Toronto. Uh, Also, the Miami Heat uh, lost. Now, okay, some of these teams have other chances, but it doesn't look good for most of them. And among those players... Gosh, it, it's hard for me to even, even discuss this because the hopes are so sky high, all right? Look, here's what happens in the Blazers' Edge mailbag every time something shifts in the NBA. How can the Blazers trade for OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam? You can't. I mean, I, I don't see any future. I mean, prove me wrong, Blazers. If you can do that, trust me, prove me wrong and, and not lose Damian Lillard. I go for it. But guys, it's not possible to make those kind of huge deals that you have to turn the AI off of on 2K in order to execute. Nobody, nobody, I mean... What would you do if someone called up and asked the Blazers to trade away Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, and Shaden Sharp, or even Damian Lillard and Shaden Sharp? You're hanging up on everybody, unless that's Miami with Giannis, and that's just ridiculous, okay? So, at best, at best, let's assume that a team either underperforming or out of the play-in tournament is looking to rebuild. And let's assume Portland has a good offer. And by the way, the Blazers do have some nice things to offer. They're with about three or four other teams. I mean, Utah has a lot of draft picks. The Oklahoma City Thunder have potential. Portland also has potential to offer young players and picks. All right. Now, I don't think they're going to be good enough to get to, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to get Joel Embiid. We've talked about that before. But look, If Miami or Toronto were looking to rebuild, I think you could make a run at some of these players. So that's not unrealistic. You just can't get them all. Okay? So let's start from the bottom. Uh, The players most suggested. Jimmy Butler, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Bam Adebayo. Let's look at Jimmy Butler. Six foot seven, small forward. Advantages? I mean, 
fits the position uh, that the Blazers need. Also, he's a veteran. He's a defender. He's a 20-point scorer and incredibly efficient from the field. Not a fantastic three-point shooter, but good enough. And you know what? Anybody who plays next to Damian Lillard, their three-point shooting goes up because of all the opportunities they get wide open. So you're not worried about that, okay? So Jimmy Butler would be, I suppose, one of the ultimate veteran gets. However, there are some asterisks to this. First of all, he's 33 years old. That's not a bar in itself, but you know what? You're looking at that two-year window. Also, already Jimmy Butler may be slipping because he did not have a fantastic season game one through 64 this year. That's that's how many he played, 64 games. Not all of those games were equal. He turned it on toward the end. That's fantastic. I guess that was somewhat in his uh, game plan. But you know what? Portland can't afford that. Uh, Jimmy is not necessarily the best chemistry guy there's ever been. Uh, Jimmy also, I think, likes the ball in his hands, which I don't think is necessarily a problem if there's just Dame. But if you're looking at Dame and then another guard, and if you hold on to Yusuf Nurkic, and, you know, again, you run into this problem. Jeremy Grant, too, by the way. So let's just pretend that you could trade Anthony Simons and a couple of unprotected picks for Jimmy Butler, which might be a live possibility, all right? So you've now got Dame, you've got Shaden Sharp, you've got Jimmy Butler, you've got Jeremy Grant, and you've got Yusuf Nurkic, which sounds great on paper, but there's a lot of offense there. There's also some defense there. I mean, Jimmy Butler can still play defense. Jeremy Grant plays defense. Yusuf Nurkic off and on. Shaden Sharp is not a defender yet. He has athletic potential. And Dame's not a great defender. Have you really fixed a defense that much? And can you take full advantage of your offense? Would I like to see the Blazers try? In the abstract, if nothing else matters, probably yes. However, the chemistry thing, the age thing, also there's the salary. Because Jimmy Butler's paid through 2026, and his salary is going to run from $45 million to $52 million. That is enormous. And you're getting rapidly increasing huge salary with declining production that's already started to decline. This is not a home run swing to me. This is a little bit of a desperation swing. And the last thing about it that I'd say or ask is, did Miami win with Jimmy Butler? And I would say, you know what? No, they didn't. Uh, they did all right last year, obviously. I think that they did not... Look, I think they're not doing well this year had something to do with Jimmy Butler. And I'm a little hesitant to absorb that, even knowing that there's more talent around him in Portland than there probably is in Miami, but it's not enough talent to fix up every gap that that is on the team or that he brings with him. So I would say this would be a very, very expensive final swing at this. Because I don't think, I also don't think Jimmy's going to be tradable after this, at least not for much that is significant. All right. So uh, I don't like it. 
I, I'll tell you, I would stay away from Jimmy Butler. I think he's exactly the type of signing that we warned against last time. Pretty expensive, although not as expensive as the rest of these. There's that to it, but pretty expensive. Not sure it's going to do what you need it to do. OG Ananobi doesn't have the same issues. He's a really good defender. He is only 25 years of age, and he he has offense in his repertoire, but doesn't live by it. That's really good. He also only makes $19 million a year. Uh, well, next year, he'll make $19 million. He does have a player option in 24-25, but there's no way that he picks that up. Instead, uh, the Blazers will be forced to re-sign him you know, in the summer of 2024, which I think they would happily do. And he has the advantage of they would happily do it whether or not Dame stays because OG Ananobi is a guy that you're fine having on your team either way. He's also a six foot seven small forward. For those reasons, I think he's a better acquisition from Butler, even though you give up the experience and you give up some of the scoring. Can the Blazers resign him would be one big question. The other one is what is Toronto going to want? And there's a report that they turned down three first rounders for him. Would they take Anthony Simons and two or three first rounders? I've, I've got to think that they would consider that, especially if they don't think he can re, they can resign him. Would they take Shaden Sharp and draft picks? I think they'd consider that also. I think among these, Ananobi is the most gettable of them, maybe the most versatile in terms of future and ability to help the team. And so this is probably the level that I would buy in at. This is the most likely uh, outcome. I don't know whether you trade Sharp or Simons for him. I know you cannot trade both for him. Uh, that's kind of a matter of what Toronto wants and what Portland thinks they can give up most easily. But if you ask me right now whether OG Ananobi or Anthony Simons would be most serviceable to the Blazers right now, I would say it's Ananobi. If you ask me who overall is the better NBA player in the future, I still don't know that for sure. I just know that there's a clear delineating line that Ananobi is going to be about defense and Simons is going to be about incredible offense and of those two the Blazers need the defense more next one up the chain Pascal Siakam six foot nine power forward center although I think that the Blazers the way they could make hay on this is to play him back at power forward and therein lies the rub because you've got Jeremy Grant that they're probably going to re-sign for 30 million a year basically there's been some question, should they re-sign Jeremy Grant? I've seen that come up. I'll tell you here, they have to. And the reason they have to is because they don't get anything by not re-signing him. They will save $30 million in theory, but they cannot use that $30 million to sign anyone else. All they do is keep themselves somewhat south of the luxury tax, which they can manipulate in other ways, probably. So it doesn't, other than the bald savings on his contract to the franchise bottom line not to the cap or luxury tax they're not going to save anything and what they would lose is the ability to trade him they would lose the talent and the contract slot in the salary cap in order to be able to move him later so i don't think that that is an option 
for them to be able to not resign him. At worst, they would resign him and then try to trade him either immediately in the sign and trade, although that's more difficult now than it used to be, or just you know, play him for a year and look to move him next summer. If Grant keeps producing at a 20-point level and he's still young, he should be movable. I don't think he's necessarily an easy trade at that salary level, but I think that he's very doable. All right, so here's the problem with Pascal Siakam. He, he probably plays power forward, and so does Jeremy Grant. Can you trade Grant then? I think you probably could. Is this a pleasant problem to have? Probably. Would I take Pascal Siakam without a shadow of a doubt? My issue with him, Willie, is two. One is he also is only signed through 2024 and he makes $38 million. That's going to go up. So he's a really expensive contract negotiation next year. The Blazers would also have to re-sign him. But Pascal Siakam is the type of player who can re-sign anywhere. And if you get something like, well, the endorsement dollars and the tax savings, and keep in mind, Oregon's pretty high tax bracket. Teams in Florida are not, okay? If you get something like, okay, aggregate salary, the Blazers can pay more, but overall salary, the endorsement dollars and the tax savings are going to be greater elsewhere. And you're actually going to make more money playing in Miami or Orlando or Brooklyn or somewhere else. Then the Blazers might have trouble re-signing him. The Blazers can only trade what it would cost to get Siakam if they were sure he could re-sign. Because if Toronto ever thought about offering him up, it would cost a mint because Pascal Siakam is Toronto's Damian Lillard. And he actually led them to uh, or helped lead them to a championship. He remained with them. He's the face of the franchise. Whatever you think of his talent and Lillard's, he's still three years younger. He's more versatile. He's a bona fide superstar that anyone's going to want to have on their team. He's that guy. You are now talking probably trading Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp and a bunch of draft picks and salary, you know, to, to make it balance. It's a very expensive deal. You are depending on Pascal Siakam to be the one guy who lifts this team to the next level. I think he can do that. But again, if he leaves after one year, then you are up the creek. The last one that people have mentioned is Bam Adebayo, six foot nine center, twenty five years old, twenty points, good defender, decent rebounder, reasonable contract. In fact, a good contract, thirty three through thirty seven million through twenty twenty six. He's making pretty close to Jeremy Grant money. Would you rather have Bam Adebayo than Jeremy Grant? Probably, given what the Blazers need. I mean, Bam is a is just brings two or three things that Portland would absolutely flourish with. Here are the questions here. I mean, is Miami willing to trade him? And again, he's 25. Even if they're rebuilding, he's a good guy to rebuild around. I think that he's going to be just as expensive as Siakam in his own way. Maybe not absolutely outright, but in terms of are they thinking about moving him? I think they are not. And you're going to have to overpay in order to get them to even consider it. I'm guessing that. I, I, that's just my gut feeling. Also, is Bam Adebayo really a center? 
And I think this is more open to debate. I think he could be a fantastic power forward uh, also. Would he play more naturally there? And if he did, would you still be able to play Jeremy Grant? If he didn't, can you start Jeremy Grant and Bam Adebayo together? And do you have also a converted shooting guard then at small forward as well? Because now you are super small again. And I understand that the league is smaller, but we saw what happened when Yusuf Nurkic was out this year. And you can go small and you can succeed small. But if all you ever are is small, the matchup advantages will eventually get to you because teams know how to game plan for that. So, do you keep Yusuf Nurkic in an Adebayo deal, right? And is Yusuf Nurkic willing to come off the bench? If not, do you keep Jeremy Grant? Or is Jeremy Grant willing to come off the bench? Can Adebayo and Nurkic play together? I mean, I don't know. There are a ton of questions about this. Would I like to try it? Yes, I would. Do I think it's reasonable that the Blazers can both come up with the right trade package to pry him away from Miami and also slot him into an appropriate starting role that then within the next year or two automatically revolutionizes this team, I think that's a whole bunch of question marks. And I don't know that Adebayo would provide the answers. Now, you also have the same thing that you had with Ananobi, does he have to? And the answer is no. And this is the nice thing about it. Would you keep Bam Adebayo even if Damian Lillard left? Yes. That is not true of Butler. It is true of Siakam, but then is Siakam going to carry you to a championship all on his own? Probably not. So you end up with very quickly Damian Lillard part two, where you have an aging veteran out of step age-wise with the rest of the team, who's very expensive and you probably have to trade again. You don't want to just recycle that. So Siakam doesn't come unless you're sure Lillard stays. Adebayo and Anobi are the guys who are young enough to come and go either way. For that reason, it would be a better get. I just think Adebayo would be way too expensive and might create some positional issues, whereas Ananobi slots in, so I'm going with OG, but that doesn't mean that I think that he's the right move. Now, there are other ones coming up. I mean, there are other ones that have been floated. We'll deal with them at other times. Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, for God's sake, Zion Williamson. People are bringing up Zion Williamson. Oh, just, I can't even begin to tell you what's wrong with that. Uh, but we will cover more of these as we go along. We won't do all of them in one week because that would exhaust all our podcast topics. But uh, we ask you what you think of that on site. I, I, I assume people have different opinions on these. But honestly, I think look for Ananobi among these four or nothing. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, gosh. You know, the lottery pick everybody is waiting with bated breath for we've talked about that a little bit but let me reiterate it i think the blazers keep the number one pick i i've heard people i mean first of all people invoke greg odin sam Bowie, don't pick a center number one this is roulette guys that the the next spin doesn't depend on the last spin they're completely independent and you know, I can't even begin to deal with the. <laughs> if an NBA GM would say, you know what, our team is cursed when we pick centers, so let's let's not pick a general generational center number one. Let's pick someone else. You fire that guy. You fire that guy before you you 
smack the phone out of his hand. You get out the bat utility belt and make sure you boomerang it right out of his fist. You throw him out the door. You get on that phone and you say, Wemby, 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 all day, give me Wemby, okay? It's not reasonable to make past comparisons. If a generational talent comes available to you, you take it, period. Would the Blazers trade Wembayama to, in order to get a player now? Unless that player is literally Giannis, the answer is no. I mean, Joel Embiid, maybe, but again, as soon as you're talking about this level of exchange, you start looking at Embiid's injury history, all right? And you say, how long will Wemby play for you? And how long will Embiid play for you? How many games can each be expected to play? How good are they going to be eventually? And obviously, Wembenyama, his peak, if it reaches Embiid level, you're going great. But that it's expected to do that and for a lot yeah, longer, and he might have some extra wrinkles. So you keep him. There's no way that you trade that for anything south of Giannis, period. Uh, you know, Nikola Jokic, maybe. If the Blazers get the number two pick, it's going to be very interesting, or even the number three pick if they like that guy. That's supposed to be a super talented player, and this is supposed to be a very deep draft. At that point, their feet are to the fire. Do they go, okay, Dame, look how loyal we are to you and to your next season of prime and a couple seasons beyond that. And look, we are trading away our ultra high lottery pick in order to get you help right now, even though that won't get you Giannis and probably still won't get you Embiid, won't get you Jokic. So you're not getting that level of talent you're literally looking at the players we just discussed now toronto and siakam that would be an interesting discussion right there that might do it but do you trade away the number one pick for adebayo <laughs> i i don't know i'm sorry yeah number two number three pick for adebayo i don't know if that's smart do you do it for ananobi i think no uh look i mean ananobi's a great player great fit but you don't just because a lesser suit fits you real well doesn't mean that you're giving away the Gucci to get it. I mean, you, you can find other ways to do that. And if the Blazers do that out of some loyalty to Dame, again, Father Time is eventually going to take Dame away from you no matter what anybody intends. So you have to think really hard about that. If you start getting the fourth pick and below and you're down into the seventh pick and whatever, I think you, you trade that pick without thought. I think, frankly, they're still going to trade the third or second, but they at least need to think about it. But everything depends on this lottery pick. I think that that's, you know, where the Blazers are. And it's hard to talk about anything too reasonable or far-reaching until we know what that number is. Now, I'm going to presume that they're going to end up where the statistics say that they're going to end up at six or seven, and I think there's no doubt, no doubt that their first move is to try to trade that. The second question is, are they actually able to do it? And again, they cannot give it away. But I think that you can reasonably assume if they get the sixth or seventh pick and do not move it, that they tried and it simply did not have enough value. And that is the question we should probably leave with here. 
there's a difference between what the Blazers want to do and what the Blazers are going to be able to do. And never, ever forget that. Just because their first move, their first instinct is to make a deal to help Dame. It doesn't mean that they are going to be able to do it at a price that makes sense. One of the narratives, we always like to have simple narratives in, in our field. And one of the narratives that usually comes out was they can't or they weren't able to in terms of they didn't have the desire, they didn't have the guts, they didn't have the whatever, they didn't have the moxie to make the big move. Look, 30 teams want to make the big move. There aren't 30 big moves to be had. And when you are team number 24 in line, you have to A, overpay, and B, get lucky in order to leverage that big move. And that doesn't matter if you have all the guts in the world, all the intentions in the world. Sometimes every asset you can muster, okay? The, the, the reality is the most tradable asset on this team right now, the one bankable one is still Damian Lillard. And he's the guy you're trying to keep. So what you're in essence doing is you're going on the market saying, I want the biggest trade imaginable, and I'm going to give you some coalition of my second, third, fourth, and fifth best assets. Well, the market's going to go, all right, I'll look at that. But you know what? What would really get a trade done easily is your best asset. And you say, well, if I traded my best asset, I wouldn't need to make the trade. Well, welcome to the situation of almost every NBA team. Congratulations, you're like everybody else. And the Trailblazers are not special in this way. Just because they want it doesn't mean they're going to be able to do it. If we get to the end of the summer and no trade is made, I think probably we should not blame it on the GM, at least not on this one, because, you know, you had opportunities in years past that you probably didn't take. You know, you don't blame it on the GM. You don't blame it on Lillard. You blame it on leaving yourself a hurdle that you'd have to be world-class in order to leap. And that's where the Blazers are. I expect them to make a run at it, but if they aren't able to clear that hurdle, then you've got to give them credit for trying, and you've got to say, you know what, we need to pick another path where the hurdle isn't so high. Maybe the end goal is just as high. That mountaintop's still out there. But we can't leap this cliff. We got to find a way around another side of the mountain where we can find a purchase and where the trail goes longer, more incrementally, but just isn't so prohibitive. And that's where we'll end our podcast, which ironically is the same place where we began it. If you want to know what Damian Lillard is publicly saying in a nutshell, that's basically it. You got to try to leap this, but if you can't leap it, we've got to admit that you can't. And then we've got to ask whether I'm fit to go on that journey around the other side of the mountain with you, or whether I need to go with these other Sherpas over here and help lead them to the top. All right. 
we thank you for being with us and we will have some more trade speculation, probably some player reviews and some draft picks and all kinds of stuff next week. I will see you then for Marlo Ferguson. I'm Dave Deckard and let's hope this week is a good one for you and a decent one for the Blazers. Thank you.